In this episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast, we answer your questions. G'day there, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this team radio episode, we are answering all of your questions from Instagram and Discord. And I'm joined by the magic of podcasting by exactly the same people wearing exactly the same clothes as last week's episode, Tommy T. G'day, mate. I'm Tommy T. I know, I just wanted to see what he would do if I (laughs) looked at him. Tommy T, hello, mate. I'm good. Good. Thomas J's over there. Hello, Thomas J. Gentlemen, how are you? What happened to your beanie from last week, mate? Your bucket hat, rather. Oh, I thought I'd just change it up so, you know, it didn't look like we recorded one <laughs> straight after the other. Very, very good. Uh, well, if you haven't yet listened to a Team Radio podcast, this is a basically an Ask Us Anything kind of situation, stuff about Formula One. Uh, as you heard last week's ep- uh, teaser question, stuff about four-wheel drives that no one really cares about uh, <laughs> and other things around the well, the three of us, the five of us as well. But uh, it is the OG LSD panel for today. OG LSD. OG LSD. Uh, it's very good. Uh, let's go straight into the questions. In fact, some of these questions are still from last year that we hadn't even answered. So uh, thank you to you if you've if you've written in. Um, except for you, Freya, who you got way too excited doing <laughs> too many questions for us. Uh, this comes from Zeddy. Zeddy asks, if you could choose one previous F1 team to be resurrected in the modern era of Formula One, which would you choose? I feel like this is a you campy question. Who would you choose? I'm offended. Who wow. would I choose? Uh, probably you should go be. back to like Stuart Grand Prix or something. Stuart GP. Jackie Stuart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who did they end up becoming? They ended up becoming. Oh, that's a good. No, they ended up becoming Williams, didn't they? No, no, Jaguar. No, yeah. And what did Jaguar, Jaguar become? Red Bull. Red Bull. So, so you're back in a winning horse. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a shambles of a transition from all. From all that. From was, Richard Saxby, go back and listen to that yes, interview. From all that were involved. So yeah, I just oh, look. I love Jackie Stewart. He's a quality human being, and uh, he still brings a lot to the F1 paddock when he's around. He shows up and. World champion, quality character. So imagine him owning a team and just telling it how it is, a bit of old school mentality <laughs> ball back to our sport, which I think we need. So, Right. Yeah. Okay, Stuart Grand Prix and for you, TT, I'm who would you bring like back? The, the BMW Williams era. Oh, okay. A bit different. So bring back a team that's still here. <laughs> yeah, but they're not. They were the BMW, the BMW Works team back then and it was different. They had the All right. that beautiful CS kind of uh, livery. Mm. It was a vibe. Do you want to bring back Marusha? What about Minardi? HRT. HRT. Jordan. Jordan. So many. So the answer answer is basically all of them, (laughs) uh, except for Marussia, I would suggest. Uh, I think Tyrrell would be an absolute stonking team to bring back into the sport. Um, Anyway. Do we want to go back to an era where there's more than 10 teams? Like now, yeah, absolutely. Because we had at one point, was it 12? Was that the most ever? I feel like it was. Like 12 with 24 grid spots? We used to have qualifying races to ensure that you'd make the top 24. So that was. uh, Should we bring in relegation? Should the best F2 car. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) You know what I think what we should do? Here we go. We should have have three chassis on the grid, Mm -hmm. like from a manufacturer, and three engines. And you come in yeah, as a customer. Are they in the same chassis? You, yeah, well, they have, to, they have to fit a certain parameter. Yeah. You come in as a customer, like when we become billionaires, we go, right, we want this chassis, this engine. And How we're is that different put- to F2? Well, exactly. <laughs> look, at the, look at the racing in F2. Yeah, but that's not the pinnacle of like technology and racing gr- and that's what we want. I oh, know. It's never going to happen. But that would be great. And they used to be a bit like that back in the day too. Mm. You just come in and pick what you want. I think if, if this Porsche stuff goes through, that's interesting. That's not going to happen. It's, the sport's too professional to be like that. <laughs> what do you mean? There's more money. Porsche's like, hey, can we have – No, I think, we- I think what he's saying is it's Porsche will come in but it's not going to go into one regulation no, with yeah. chassis. It's not going to happen. But that would be cool. Are you saying Porsche's not going to come in? No, they will. Okay, good. Oh, good. That's it's a great Porsche segment. or Audi. I, like, I think just spreading spreading the love so it's not just Mercedes, Ferrari dominated power units with like a handful of others. Well, if you come in, choose the chassis you want, choose the engine you want, choose the drive you want, you could put together the best of the best. It sounds like fantasy. It is fantasy, but it would be cool. Do you want to join us in reality and maybe think <laughs> of something leg- that might legitimately work and make money? So- as a, DR, as, a, as a DR fan, oh, I'm in fantasy land at the moment. <laughs> or 24-7. <laughs> I'm glued here. Uh, thanks for your questions, Eddie. This one comes from Bailey. If you could spend the weekend with any driver on any track with any 
Formula One car from any era, who would it be? Tommy T, you can go first. Ooh. Oh, you don't want to go first this time. Oh, rookie, turn your laptop off, James. Um, I always like Rubens. I think I go Rubens with his era big Ferrari. Man. You're a big Rubens I fan. I do like Rubens closet a lot. Rubens Good for Not you. Closet. Not closet. I'm the opposite. Like, Good I'm for out. you. I'm outed as a Rubens fan. Yeah, I feel like I, I'm going to join you in that. He yep. seems lovely. He does. He seems like a lovely guy. Yeah. One of like the longest standing drivers, best teammate ever, you could argue. Yeah. Just always a consistently good second driver. Gives good guy energy. He's kind of good like, guy energy. Good guy energy. Yeah. Okay. What a word. You're going to hang out with Rubens. In, yeah. in which era of his cars do you know which one you'd like to? <sighs> one of the Ferraris. One of the Ferraris. Pick this, pick a year. I don't know. He was there a long time. He man. was there of all of them. Yeah. Just the full suite of Rubens. Whichever Barrichello one's the Ferrari. best Ferrari one. I, listen, you all know that I got into this sport late. I know little bit. Are you even into this sport yet? Not really. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's like the third sport I follow. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that era. And what are we doing any weekend and which track? Mm-hmm. And it'd probably be Spa. I think Spa. Yeah. Rubens at Spa. Mm. Campy. I would go Kimi Raikkonen, young Kimi. I'm not surprised. <laughs> at his favourite track, Spa. Yeah. But I'd go in like the Mika Hakkinen, 98, 99. Championship winning. So I think that was the West. You know, the, the black and grey, the West. McLaren, Can confirm. That would be, for me, that Did you touch that, that one, James? Car. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Which McLaren haven't you touched? None of them. <laughs> that car. The golf livery one, actually, because it was right in front of the big windows where they were doing all the development. I was like, oh, I can't because the engineers will see me. <laughs> that car from like the mid 90s to like 2003 was clearly the fastest car anybody had ever seen, just plagued by reliability. It used to be in the lead with Grand Prix by like 40 seconds. Yeah. Then all of a sudden. Oh, that's a mechanical for a cool car. <sighs> but another classic Adrian Newey design. Oh, cracking cars. Phenomenal to look that at. Would be, that would be me. That's spa. how long this guy has been dominant, by the way. Adrian oh, yeah. Newey. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. But Adrian Newey, championships with Williams, like Damon Hill, championships with Nigel Mansell and anything else, um, championships with Red Bull, with McLaren, now with Red Bull again. It's just uh, ridic- absolutely ridiculous yeah. how, how talented he is. And as I said last time, in our podcast a couple of weeks ago, I should say, um, if McLaren or Aston Martin or any of these teams are serious about it, you'd convince Adrian Newey that you've had enough time at Red Bull and come back to the fold. Have a bag of money. Just yeah. start the Adrian Newey wing of McLaren yeah. and pay him all the money in the world to, to bring him back. Um, it's the only way you're going to be dominant again. The thing that shocks me about those engines back then, that was like the start of the you know, computers starting cars and stuff. <laughs> I mean, the technology that they used to start those cars, you'd have to pay someone – Six months to go and figure out how to do it again. Yeah, There'd be ancient. manuals yeah. and it's not it's like MS they do DOS. it every It's just yeah. it'd be stuff like that. Yeah. So I reckon that would be cool. I mean, bringing back like getting uh, Mick to drive his dad's Ferrari yes. and, at places last. That was awesome. But imagine like the tech that people would have to go through and go, oh, how do we do this? Yeah. An old binary system of computers somewhere. Oh, it'd be awesome. But so I'm, question. I'm David Coulthard. In in the, the in the Hakkinen car at Japan at Suzuka. Ooh. Oh, just that whole thought makes me incredibly happy. Bailey, that's an outstanding question by you. Well done indeed. That's my memory of F1, particularly like yep. being a kid and young in Melbourne. Every year there was like you could hear the cars from screaming. And the, like, go on the, like, you can go to the track now and not even realise they're on track. But it's like road noise now. It's less engine noise. It's just like mm. tyres and things like that. It's yeah. getting better. But back in the day, like if you didn't have earplugs, like you were deaf. Bleeding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perforated eardrums were the norm. This is Well, this is a leading question from that then. comes from Nicholas. What's your favourite F1 engine? Campy? There's a big bring back engine. V10s. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Turbocharged V6s were pretty good too. Who okay. are you? But the V10s. Yeah. I'm surprised. <laughs> and there I don't it is. know. I was at university in 2010 mm-hmm. over on Chapel Street, so quite a way away. No, nah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I, like like everyone in coffee, I quit and found hospitality and how unfruitful that is compared to <laughs> <laughs> the real world. Yeah. Uh, 
No, but I was at university over on Chapel Street and you could hear whatever era that car was, 2010 Campy, give me some, whatever that was, but that was kilometres and kilometres away from Albert Park. That was the, and I remember it just screaming away while I was in class. And that, that was the was, start of the blown diffuse. No, that was the second year of the double diffuse. So that would have been what, turbo V6s. Yeah, that, that one was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one, said, Turbo V6 that one. Is Turbo V6s. V10s are better, but Turbo V6s. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I think the Turbo V6s, it's the same answer, same uh, answer for me too. It's such a good memory of, you know, because that's sort of recent memory for us. I mean, yep. we were all similar ages, kind of 30. So that's around, you know, years, kind of, well, yeah, 20. university, but like year 12 in between that time. Um for a lot of our age sort of cohort, but also Jensen Button winning 2009, um, second year out of school. And I just remember watching that whole season all the way through and just being blown away, A, by the noise coming through the television. And I wasn't down in Melbourne, unfortunately, for the Grand Prix because uh, I couldn't get there. Um, but that era up until Turbo Hybrid, which just completely ruined it uh, in terms of sound. <laughs> 2010 uh, was the first year that I actually went to the Grand Prix ooh. on my own accord and was just, blown away because it was the year that Weber was supposed to mm-hmm. win races and stuff and his 2010 start wasn't too good. I think he came fourth or something. Anyway, <laughs> great, great. Someone call him out of his role. Yeah. <laughs> Leave us a, uh, a message Never got on Discord. a podium at Melbourne, but he came fourth a couple times. So. Uh, this one comes from Andrew. Who are your favourite F1 drivers of all time? Let's nail it down, shall we? Let's say top, your favourite three Formula 1 drivers. Ayrton. Mm-hmm. Jensen. Cool. Yep. Man. And probably Mika, yeah. That's probably my three. I love Mika, yeah. I love Mika. He's my dude. I love DC. He was quality, although, you know, not not the driver that he probably should have been. Yep. Um, Love Weber. Love Weber. When that book came out, I've been – Never read a book that quickly in my life. I think it was done in about 18 hours. <laughs> Never read or a book in my life. No, I've read read plenty of books, but that's <laughs> I'm exactly there with you. Read plenty of books. Love Weber. Look, love Kimmy. Kimmy's awesome. Lonzo's awesome. Um going back, like Ant. You can only say three, mate. Ant and Don't Sarah, break the rules. God. This is serious rules here. Hey. It's a serious podcast. For a seven yeah. I mean, Nicky Lauder's great. Stop too. naming people, mate. <laughs> Lauder's great. That's Hunt, a lot of Hunt was a character, although he talks with a stick up his backside. Um, <laughs> oh, man, we've had some quality characters. Can you pick three. So. Can you nail it down? Name three out of all of the people that you've mentioned Danny, Rick, Weber, and <laughs> Kimmy and Mikhail. That's four. <laughs> <laughs> You're a shocker. Anyone from Finland. Yeah. So you might as well have VB Australians as well. in the Finns. And, and you're yeah, welcome, yeah. Australians. Uh, yeah, okay. Fair enough. Uh, I think Mark Webber, absolutely, because he just was no nonsense with, with Seb. Um, love Mick Hacken as well. I think just, again, kind of in that no-nonsense no yeah. vibe. Um, and can you really go past Nigel Mansell and the moustache? Because oh, like, he was like, he's so easy to forget. Yeah. Like now we talk about, you know, Nelson Piquet Jr. coming through and then Iron Center and then Prost and all these other guys, but we forget that really the success with Williams was thanks to the moustache and because he's just – not searching for relevance as a Formula One driver mm. anymore. He's happy to just not have anything to do with it and yeah. go about his life. Nigel Mansell's F1 on the Super Nintendo. Oh, what a and Game Boy. Cracking game. Genuinely. Yeah, that's a lot of my youth playing that. Yeah. Another one I forgot to mention was just Sir Jackie. Yes. Character. Yeah. Going all the way back. Yeah. Yep. There's tons out there we've forgotten. It's a, it's a good question, Andrew. Well, they're the ones that come off the top of our, our yeah. head, so that's good. Uh, well, this this comes from Lewis. Um and it says, will Albon run Latifi to shreds in the Williams in 2022? It's clearly a, a last year question. Uh, I think we probably would have said yes anyway mm. last year. Uh, but maybe the question should be, will Oscar Piastri show up Albon in 2023? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad we all agree with that. He's going to show up <laughs> half the grid, let's be honest. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, this one comes from James, great name. Uh, what tracks do you want to podcast from this year? Well, we've already had a couple, um, and uh, I've been to Miami. Couldn't get to the track, so not that I probably would have wanted to. We've been to Australia. That oh, was good. Miami would have been a horrible track to be at in that swarm of people. It's, Sweaty yeah, it's, and it's pretty no good. Oh. Overall, as a quality of a race, but also yeah, the whole lineup. It was from a circus, it. right? Okay, what, well, let's what talk- were the Floridians like as people? Were they very <laughs> flamboyant or what? 
So they all just coked up to the eyeballs. Uh, look, probably. <laughs> don't know. Um, as long as the they were LSD'd though. up to the eyeballs, and by that I mean listen <laughs> to this podcast, then uh, thanks, Tommy T, for doing that acronym, which doesn't make any sense when you actually shorten Lakeside Drive, which is just LD. Uh, good one by you. Good. But yeah, what, what track would you like to podcast from? Any other track of the, of the season? Baku for me. I reckon that'd be a great place to be. Um, for the the race weekend podcast, see a bit of the old town. It looks like a really interesting place. Also, everyone seems lovely from what from yep. what we hear. Like all like the locals are lovely. It's kind of a bit of a smaller gathering compared to like say a Monaco, which is of similar kind of wealthy nation, kind of high rises and mm. yachts and things. Whereas it's kind of like under the radar a little. I think it'd be more accessible and fun. We would have done heaps more in the last few years, but we've had a virus going around, which has made travel. <laughs> which virus? Have we? Stupidly hard, but I think uh, I think Texas, Coda, that'll be awesome. Yeah, I think I'll definitely be there this year. So Singapore with the other one, that would be. Cool. Well, so one of the chefs from Commonwealth, shout out to Mark. I don't know if yeah, you listen. He was he's that. he's heading to Singapore. He's booked his tickets. Good for him. Legend. That would be a cool place to go to because it's like the city operates all night. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, so I think that would be, and for cool. us, quite accessible, really. If yeah. you think about it, yeah. Japan's would be rad to go to. Too. Yeah, that's in our time zone too. So, well, yeah, I think Japan certainly for this year for me, I've I've got on the list Hungary, uh, Spa, Kota, and Japan. Yeah, were the ones that I'm trying to get to. Ideally, trying to get work at, but we'll see what happens with that space. But I think Tokyo, uh, Tokyo, I think Tokyo. Doing, well, I, think, I love Tokyo. I love to see that. I love Tokyo, but maybe, well, okay, well, let's just lean in on that, James, you idiot. Let's go in Akihabara, just set up a podcast desk right in the middle yeah. of the town there and yeah. just go nuts. Do it. Make it happen. What could possibly go wrong? Everything. Uh, thanks very much for your question there, James. This one comes from Mark. He says, hey, fellas, my son Taj has just started getting into F1 and would like me to ask you guys who you think the best young driver is on the grid and who you think is a future world champion. Thanks and keep up the awesomeness. Well, unfortunately, Taj, we don't like any young drivers. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> uh, Lando's, it's a great question, Mark. Lando's the worst. Yeah, okay. Define so, young first. But if you're under 12, you probably love Lando. Yep. Because he's in that, you know, plays video games, which is a big down, big thumbs but down like, for me. Max is only, what, a year or two older than him. Yeah, he's Mac, still young. Max plays video games too. Yeah. Max, Max doesn't actually, talk about it a lot. He plays them. Yeah. Max is actually really good though, apparently. Yeah. He's done some V8 supercar ones. Surprising yes. that Max is good at video games. Really? Can't, can't drive manual in real life. Do you know that? I mean. Cannot drive manual. It's, he's I feel a, like he could drive manual in real life. No, Danny Rick was giving him shit for it. Can't drive manual. That's probably, yeah, okay, well, look. Who Listen, knows? I think he'd figure it out. Yeah, if he needed to. He's only driving cars, mate, with flappy battle gearboxes, though. He doesn't have to yeah. go down to change gear with a hand. Just left foot braking always. So what about you, yeah. TT? Some young drivers. Well, let's cast our eyes maybe a little bit further afield than just Formula One. You know, we've got uh, Oscar Piastri, of course, who we yeah, would love to say is a, a future no world champion. That's but, a no-brainer. But there's others, maybe like Tio Pocher, who nah, is an Alfa Romeo driver. Nah. Um, in F2, okay. Uh, what about some of the others like Jack Doohan? What's he doing? Well, he's not doing too badly this year in Formula 2. I, I If, if it was me yeah, it was... <laughs> quality. Jeez. If I was buying stocks in young drivers, it'd be Piastri. Like, I would be yeah. buying the merch. I'd be like, if he had a rookie card, I'd be saying, get that because it's going to be worth some money one day. That, that guy is bona fide, as Campy would say. <laughs> he's a star, yeah. bona fide star. Callum Eilert, he's a good character. Yeah. Eh. Schwartzman's not bad too. But this is the problem we were sort of discussing in the last episode around the bottleneck that's now currently formed because of a lot of the decisions made by teams previously is a lot of these guys, Schwartzman's a good one to, to sort of pick out. I lot too. Um, you look around the grid at, uh, well, some of the New Zealand guys as well. Yeah, yep. Liam Lawson is yep. fantastic. Mm. Uh, he's done some stellar drives in other series yeah, as well. DTM and stuff as well. Yeah. So, uh, so there's some potential others, but it's maybe they just won't get their time in Formula 1. I mean, Oscar Piastri is the easy answer. I think at this point, looking at the other younger people, you've got Joe Guanyu, who's probably not a champion but still a rookie this season. Mick Schumacher, who is getting better but hasn't really shown any of the significant pace. Charlotte Clare hasn't been a champion yet and kind of is in that younger age bracket, so yeah. is potentially on that path but already is in a championship-winning car, almost, winning mm. car. So mm. it's easy to say. Um, it would be interesting maybe to revisit this question. It's a great question, Mark, and, and thank you so much for listening, but it would be interesting to revisit the end of the year after we look at the performances yeah. in Formula 2 mm. and Formula 3. 
I mean, Max is still a young driver. Max he is, is young. young. He's a, and he's, he's a current world champion. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> kind of hard to beat. So, yeah. Kind of hard to beat. But. Uh, thank check, you so much for that. I'll just say, check out, if he's interested in F1, check out your F3s and your F2s. Even jump online, check out like the CIA karting in Europe and stuff. Some of, yeah. the, some of the racing on that is phenomenal to watch. Phenomenal to watch. You get kids that are just have a bad qualifying and then come through from like 30th to 1st. It's just some cracking racing. And, yeah, the more I get into F1, you know, you look further back to these younger series and see where they're coming from. New Zealand GP is a good one to watch too every year. So you get a – those are the races that you get a real good understanding of who's coming up and, and moving forward. Uh, F3 European Championship too, I know that's on uh, it's on one of the band sports channels on Foxtel or KO, which you can check out a lot of stuff too. So that's just FIA regional, so it's really countries. So I think you get – uh, you get Britain, you get Italy, Germany, and there's one other formula too. So, yeah, cracking. There's some – I mean, Arthur Leclerc coming up too. He looks like he's a genuine, genuine F1 prospect as well. So, anyway. Yeah, it's good. Uh, go and check those out. Thanks for, so much for your question, Mark. Uh, another Mark asks, how do we each get into Formula 1? I think we've previously answered this question, but it was well worth having another crack. TT, would you like to go first? How do we get into Formula 1? And was it listening to this podcast? It's two idiots had a podcast. That he said was so shit, let me yeah. on. And I, as, a good, as a good mate, I was listening and I tried to phrase it in constructive criticism, Did but you? it was a lot of criticism. Did you? No, I think it was – you had two episodes before I jumped on, I think, and I was like, yep. hey, it's really engaging – when you do this, 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 but also this just droned on for however long, whatever it was. But I was, as a mate, I was like, hey, I really want you guys to succeed more than anything. And then James was like, why don't you just shut up and get on it <laughs> and help fix it, you dummy, instead of just slinging mud from wherever you listen to your podcast. So that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. I'd always been like a loose motorsport fan. I'd always enjoyed cars and would watch Top Gear and would just know what was going on in and around motorsport. Yeah. roughly, never really focused on it just because of the time zone thing more than anything. And yeah. it was just hard to access Formula One easily and kind of without putting in the effort to wake up early and yeah. and know things. So it, it kind of gave me that push. And then was it that season that Drive to Survive came out after it that? Was, yep, 2019. So yeah. like around our second or third episode. Yeah, uh, it, it, it had come it out came, and it yeah. kind of coincided with like, okay, well now other people are thinking about it and – um, I think it was one flight I was watching and I went back and watched like these the hour-long season, season, season reviews, yeah. season reviews <laughs> and that was awesome to watch. I, I prefer to watch that actually than the Drive to Survive the last couple of seasons to be honest because it was so engaging. Yeah, And I was like, I remember this happening. I know that and I knew who the good drivers were and that kind of stuff and it just – it just took me to jump into this podcast and dive into it to go, okay, I fully appreciate this and, and now I care enough about Formula One. Yeah. I think we both kind of fell out of love with Formula One for a little bit there in the mid-teens, didn't we, Campy? I certainly did. 2016, 17, 18, I didn't watch. Uh, and then towards the end of 18, you and I started talking about that yep. and, and actually doing something and doing a podcast. Yeah, look, for me, look, my parents are not. My dad's not a rev head. Mm. They're not like they're not car guys. I wouldn't call myself a car guy either. But um, my first dream as a kid was to uh, race Supercross. I went and saw Jeremy McGrath race at uh, at Melbourne at Rod Laver Arena, and I was like, "This is the coolest thing ever." And uh, I think what brought that on, which I wanted to go to, was I saw um, saw Krusty Demons of Dirt number number one at like five years old, which. Probably shouldn't have been watching at five, but uh, <laughs> that for me was it. I was motorsport obsessed and I eventually got motorbikes and started riding them as a kid. And motorsport, this passion for it just came from nowhere. I had a period where I was in love with V8s and that's all I'd watch. F1 came later on, I think. Um, I mean, still love MotoGP and uh, the Supercross, the European and the American stuff. And then as F1 became more accessible and particularly Mark Webber, you know, I'd used to watch him on Jaguar at the front front row and pin it and I'd just feel like, this sucks. But <laughs> finally got in that car in 2009 where he could win some races and that was where I was really hooked from then. I had something to latch on to to watch it and obviously Australia and media, we're talking 13, 14 years ago. I mean, we used to get like 
the race, oh, and that was it. The shocking was that it? was yeah. it. There was nothing else, and I think the more it grew, the more yeah, the more content we could access, the more we got into it. And I just yeah, there's parts of the sport that I can't stand, like mm. the. I understand why it's a part of the sport, but the glitz and glamour and the famous people and all the shit that comes with the I can't stand that stuff. I just love that pure pinnacle of technology, pinnacle of human beings making things better and faster and the drivers being able to pilot them and uh, yeah, it's just that's probably that's why I love it the most. Yeah. Uh, I as I said, I sort of fell out of love with the sport for a bit with uh, Hamilton domination. I was lucky enough to do a Heineken ad, which many of you have, have heard about and not seen, um, mainly because I can't find it anymore. <laughs> it was that bad. Uh, but I spent some time with David Coulthard for a couple of days of the Oz Grand Prix, and that's how you and I came to yeah. start talking about it. Um, and that was in 2017. So it took us a, a bit to start a podcast to, to really get into that, but... You were unapproachable back then, Joe. Thanks, mate. Um, back my, then. Wife, my wife would say the same thing <laughs> probably about every single day. Uh, but for for me, yeah, I look, my dad enjoyed watching Formula 1 when he was when he was younger uh, and he's a little bit older. So he was, you know, watching some of these absolute, like we talk about the absolute greats of the sports in, you know, in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. My dad was watching him there. So um, there's a bit of that, but we weren't – you know, we weren't religiously watching it too. I think I probably watched V8 Supercars more than I watched Formula One, again, because of the timing thing. Uh, but, yeah, I think Mark Webber and DR really, you know, yep. drove that awareness. I was going to say, is there, does it go kind of underrated how important it is to have a homegrown kind of avatar into the sport? I think it's so important. And if we didn't have an Australian driver for all those years, do you think we would have engaged as much as we had? Because I, I know that, like, the random person will see da- something about Daniel Ricciardo at like for 30 seconds on the news. I'm like, oh, how did Daniel go? Because I know that I like F1. I was like, I'm excited that they're interested, but also you're just getting this snapshot. I think it's it's such a good way for people to get into it and you kind of want to explain to them, well, this happened and this is like, there's more to the story than just this little 30 second news grab that you've seen. This is kind of what's happening behind closed doors. This is what's going on with Daniel. This is what we think. This is if you're watching every day. And it kind of encouraged them to look further because that's what, kind of what we had to do because you could just be kind of a, a fan on the sidelines going, oh, yeah, I like Daniel Ricciardo because he's Australian and that's it. You don't know anything. Well, it definitely helps. I remember like when Cadell Evans won the Tour de France like, and yep. a couple of years that he came second and third and, you know, he's built up to that. Just saying in Aussie, I was like, I became an expert overnight. <laughs> yeah, that's not like you. No, not, not just a couch expert, but I found myself up till 5 a.m. for 28 nights of July watching bike race because just because I wanted to see him do well. And I think it helps. Yeah. I think once you have that something to grab onto, you can grab it and then you expand your love and your interest for the sport. And yeah. Like, I think like things like reading the technical regulations and looking at diagrams, I like that stuff too. And that just makes it more, yeah, more fun. Apologise for my use of the English language. <laughs> though, but you get what I'm throwing down. Uh, here's a great, great question. Uh, this comes from Ross. Would you rather fight two campy-sized ducks, Tommy T, or 200 duck-sized campies? <laughs> go, go again. Two. This is the two best. Two campy-sized ducks. Would you rather fight two campy-sized ducks? Yeah, I'm trying to vision or that. Or 200 duck-sized campies. Duck-sized campies. So big duck, two big ducks the size of campy. I reckon or 200 <laughs> campies is the size 200, of 200 is a lot. It's a lot. But I feel like they'd be like small ball-sized campy-shaped ducks and you could dispatch them with a quick boot. Whereas the, the two ducks as big as a campy, that's a lot of bill to deal with at his size. And I feel like they could, they've got more reach with that bill than I have with my fists on my legs. So... <laughs> I just have to get on the defensive. So I think I'm going to take on the 200 little campy ducks. The imagery here is yeah. absolutely I reckon fantastic. I could, I, could, I, could, I could kick ball a lot of those <laughs> little campy ducks. Probably, yeah. What do you think, campy? <laughs> well, if as a man that loves good old duck hunt, that's quality, or, you know, just get some – either way, it's easy. You just get a – Jeez, what kind of weapon would sh- I have to use to shoot a duck the size of you? <laughs> Probably the same, probably the same as duck-sized candy. Blunderbust. 
Yeah. Oh, anyway. Just get some, you know. You some C4 the, the maybe. Key with, uh, <laughs> She's a claymore. The key just with, key trick with, you into running at me. <laughs> <laughs> the key with duck ammo is to get like your shotgun, the spread as far as you can. So if you're a shit shot like myself, as long as you're somewhere near the target, the, the shot, like, you know, it's... You're cheating effectively is what yeah, you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, good. So, All right. You can <laughs> get specialised duck shot. I think I nailed that. My explanation. I think it is good. very yeah. good from you. Uh, all right, let's let's go to, to and this And I'm not question. sorry if I offended anyone for shooting ducks out there. I could not care less. <laughs> Zanny asks, who was better during their stay at Red Bull, Seb or DR? Tommy, let's start with you. Seb or DR? <sighs> it's hard because, and I think we sort of mentioned this with uh, Dave Munner saying he doesn't like Comparing teams pretty hard. at different times, but they were at Red Bull for the, at the same time. So, yeah, it is a tough one because you've got someone with experience at that time and someone who's fresh at that time. And someone who has four world championships four world and someone championships. who doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's a little different. It's, yeah, it's clearly Seb, I think. Seb. As much as we I, love DR. I think you have to say Seb, right? <clears throat> I think yep. you, it's, it's a tough comparison because you say, yeah, Daniel has a lot of potential. And if you flip when they were born and given the inverse opportunities, maybe it's different, but. Based on what results we've seen, the you question. have to say Seb is a four-time world champion. That's pretty unbeatable. Who's better during this day? The question is, is DR or or Mark Webber at Red Bull? Not career, but at mm. Red Bull who had a better career. I'd go with Mark over DR. Although DR showed a hell of a lot of potential. Yeah. And Mark would say he was faster than me. By a mile, but different different eras, different, different eras. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't in a dominant car. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So much of Formula One is luck and timing. Yep. It is very hard to be in the fastest car because you can be the best driver out there, but if you're in a terrible car, it doesn't matter. Like you yep. can't overcome that deficit. Yeah. Let's go to a question from Daz. Lewis Hamilton has over 100 wins, and but it isn't isn't half the battle of winning these races having the fastest car. I'd like to hear in depth from you guys as he isn't in my top three, let alone the greatest of all time. Well, I mean, this is a question again from last year, so we're starting to see a slight difference in him. Campy? Results-wise, hands down the GOAT. Um, Seven world championships, 110 poles and 100-odd wins and however many podiums coming up. Results-wise, hands down the GOAT. The argument is, though, is you get someone like Fernando Alonso who knocked Ferrari and Michael Schumacher off that pedestal two years in a row but has never had a world championship winning car since. Mm. It's catch-22. The cream, for me, always rises to the top. The best drivers always get the best cars. But there's luck involved too. And I think guys like your Schumachers and like your Hamiltons got extremely lucky with the machinery they got. You know, Schumacher didn't start winning until Anton Senna tragically passed away and then it was the Michael Schumacher era. It's hard to point at the goats and we can really only rely on, for me, I mean, guys like Brundle who have seen everybody race and seen everybody do it. Max Verstappen is the driver of a generation, probably like Anton Senna was back in his day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, guys beat Anton too, you know, straight up and – Different machinery, and on yep. so it's it's interesting. But then you get guys like James Hunt, who were not quick a lot of the time, but when they were on, they were unstoppable, and no one could beat them. So it's you know it's interesting, but he's the goat for results. Other than that, the argument's yeah. forward because of the way the sport is. It's not even competition. If you phrase it into who's talent and abilities would you want if you were starting a team kind of from scratch from scratch no eras no anything you've got you've got a really good car which drivers if you could pick from any era which three would you pick based on raw talent ability those kind of things because rather than looking at results let's look at and i think that's where this question's phrase is like ability and talent yeah, but and but the question asks is half the battle is having the fastest car. Yeah, and for Lewis's domination, he's had apart from his time in McLaren wasn't the dominant car. No, it's only Mercedes it was mm. the dominant car. It you know it, it makes it easier because yes, yeah. VB was winning races too, but a lot of people, including mm. us, don't put him in the top five drivers on the grid at the moment. Mm. It's yeah, it's a it's a flawed sport in that way for sure because it's. 
there's a battle between you and your teammate already. There's a battle between your whole team constructor-wise versus everyone else. It, it, there's so many different variables that it's really hard to pin down who is the reason for success more than another. Which variable is the most successful part of that? Yeah, and we watch on TV too. Yeah. We don't get – I mean – 99.9% of the races we watch are on TV and yeah. we don't actually see a hell of a lot what's going on in the car mid-corners. We like TV doesn't reproduce that stuff. It's like watching MotoGP. You watch it on TV then you see it at Phillip Island. It's like, People watch MotoGP? It's like, <laughs> but it's, wow. it's like watching a different sport, the way that you see these guys sliding on two wheels and it's not like it's stuck to the ground. It's, it's oversteering and they are sliding. It's like a power slide. It's incredible to watch um, you know and we don't get to see those things on TV so I think at some mm. level we've got to trust your Brundles and your, yeah. and your guys like that that have been around for years who have driven against them have driven multiple F1 cars and seen the best of the best on their days and you know I mean Schumacher you've got to put him into it not that I'm the biggest fan of him yeah, but you've got to put him into the argument too so yeah, I think oh, it's all very good it's points. It's kind of like Michael Jordan. He just like happened to win the most. He's not the best, obviously. <laughs> Here comes the triggered element. <laughs> Tommy T, you are a dickhead. <laughs> there it is. Uh, thanks so much for the question. Let's. Uh, this is from Creaky, who says, it's been 13 years since a team outside of Brackley or Red Bull took a title. Ferrari, McLaren, Williams and Renault all have history of winning championships. All have changed structure multiple times with no title. Is this down to the token system, limiting progress or poor management? Also, who is better placed and who has systemic unsolvable problems? Campy, you, you've said many things on this, so let's go to you first. Can you read that again for me, Jim? That was a big question. <laughs> no. Unbelievable. It was sounded too intelligent. You were too busy doing no, money look, symbols. We were doing money money talks, bullshit walks. No. <sighs> look, <laughs> you've got the people that work on these cars and design them are the smartest people on earth. They either go to NASA or they go to Formula yeah. One. That's what we're talking about, really. And you have so many contradicts contradicting ideas about how a car can go fast. You limit that in regulations every time that you get or find a find a find a downforce area like get blown to views to get more downforce which makes the car faster, which doesn't change the engine. As soon as you do something like that, the FIA jumps on it and says, oh we'll limit what you can get out of it. So I think in this day and age, no matter how much restructuring, how much money you spend, it is really luck of the draw. If you start down a particular path about designing a car and you've got the start and the end and you get everything right along that to maximise your idea about going fast, I think that's what gets you the win. I think it's there's a bit of luck in it, mm. but it's not luck to, to say what Mercedes did was lucky was bad. I think Mercedes as an organisation at the start of the turbo hybrid era they already had a whole trucking department that had turbo hybrid engines. Yeah. So they went to them and said, give us all your IP. Give us absolutely everything you got on these engines. We need this information to build that car. And that car, for the better part of eight years, was the most dominant car that probably F1's ever seen. Yeah. So they had a jump start because they had part of their organisation that had done it. And that was lucky. But it yeah. takes a good organisation to filter that stuff through. So it's a tough question in what you're saying. I think there's luck, but there's also a hell of a lot of smart that go to it too. Mm. And I think, I mean, if you look at Ferrari from 2000 to 2005 with Michael Schumacher, even the Ferrari designers, they took a lot of credit for it. But after it, when they talked back on it, they said, when we put this car on track, we didn't expect it to do what it did. We put it on track and it didn't really change for five years Mm. because it was that good and that's a bit of pot luck too, you know. So... Restructuring, there's, yeah. So is it down to the tokens, this new token system limiting progress or is it down to poor management of these teams? It's both and and not, if that answers the question. It definitely doesn't. definitely (laughs) doesn't. No, it's sheer luck. you're right. Absolutely It's it's sheer luck and I don't think that's why a team like Aston Martin and the way Lawrence Stroll has made businesses work previously correlates to – 
designing an F1 car and winning a world championship. Mm. There's too many other factors out there. You, you might design the best car and if you put it on a different compound, like a say a Michelin tyre, and the car is three seconds quicker because it's better on Michelin tyres, but you've got Pirellis that are a piece of shit on some cars and amazing on other cars. Yeah. You don't know that until you get things on this track. So so many variables there that make it unfair and you're trying to level the playing field as much as you can and I just think it's potluck and smartness and yeah, yeah. yes, no and you're wrong. I would yeah. say changing your mind a lot is never helpful. I think sticking to your guns some and consistency. some consistency is always like you look at any sport really, consistency, chemistry, those kind of factors yep. are always indicative of winning teams. Mercedes, very good example of that. The consistency they had for eight years was unbelievable. They had the same people in the same roles getting better and better and better every day. They knew exactly what Lewis wanted. They knew exactly what Valtteri wanted. They were very stable and that meant that they could focus on the minutiae and the tiny little things that made winning – easier rather than someone who's starting from scratch every year, two years and going, let's throw everything out and start again. Let's throw everything out and start again. If you're constantly doing that, you look at these teams that constantly rebuild in any sport and go, oh, we just need to throw all this away. Let's sell all our players. Let's drop everything and start again. That rebuild is never instant win or instant success. Well, very rarely. It's, yeah. it's very, very unlikely. What it is is a slow build of consistency over time and I think that's what you want to see is someone figure out a winning idea or back a winning driver or whatever it is and just stick with them and work towards them and that should be the, the centre of your focus. Yeah, and if you look at Mercedes, if you, you could pay people millions of dollars to go and summarise what Mercedes have done well as an organisation for the last 10 years and they would say, this is what makes this team great. But this year, I guarantee you, 99% of what they were doing for the last 10 years is exactly the same as what they're doing this year, but somewhere they've missed it. Yeah. So it's not just about organisational structures and, yeah. all, you know, do you know, do you know what Yeah, I'm for sure, but I think what they did do and what Red Bull does as well is like Lewis and Max are our tokens to the future and success, build around them, and they've figured out like everything we do is through the, the, the lens of Max or through Lewis and what makes them faster, what makes them better because they are the best kind of people, the best kind of races. They are, they fit our culture and our structure the best. So everything we do should be through the prism of what makes them better. Yeah, but I, at the same time, I guarantee if you go to a place like Force India, when Force India, were, they had no, had nowhere near the budget or the personnel or the, or the tools that they had. I mean, talking to Richard Saxby when he was at HRT, you know, they had measuring tapes and sandbags to get their front wings right and how much load was on them. You go to Mercedes and mm. they've got these machines that are specifically designed for their wings that put different pressures on them under different loads. It's not a measuring stick and start. It's a purpose-built machine to stick into a thing and load test it. And that machine probably costs $3 million, so... What I'm trying to say is if you had Force India, they'd probably operating completely different to other teams but mm. still on track they're really close. Whereas if they had that extra 20 million bucks, they could eke that three or four seconds out of the car over race distance and be more competitive. I, it's not just structures and those things. Mm. There's so many factors that come into it. We could argue this for years. No, it's a great, honestly, great question, uh, Kriki. We'll, we might come back to, in another episode to, to talk about who is better placed at the moment of those who haven't won championships and who has systemic unsolvable problems. We'll keep going, though. This, uh, this question comes from Glenn. He says, how do you feel about the current 2022 calendar? 23 races, too, too little, perfect, or too many? Also, should races be grouped together by region, i.e. Europe, America's Asia, thoughts? Tommy T, let's go to you first. I think it's hard to group, firstly, because of the logistics of moving that whole circus around. So you'll see we'll jump to Canada and then we'll jump back uh, somewhere else because you can have like the, the alternate kind of circus moving in between weeks is kind of how it works usually. So I think that's the reason we jump continent to continent as much as we do, whereas like in Europe it's just a, a, a bus or a, a – a convoy that the cruises traditional around. European. Yeah, it, it is a lot of – when you think about everything you see behind the paddock has to move elsewhere yeah. pretty much. That's a lot of stuff to move and it, it takes time. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, we could adopt the extreme E model and have Let's a big a boat. Stick it on a ship. <laughs> stick it on a ship. Stick it in the Monaco Harbour and go, That's what's it. that doing there? Um, I think it's probably too many races, to be honest. Yep. I think if you – I obviously like NBA, which has – Do you? Nah, never. No. 82 games. That's a lot of games in comparison to – NFL, which has 17 regular season games. What you have in NFL is scarcity, so every game matters, whereas in the NBA, I can just have a rest. There's 82 games. If I sit down for five, whatever. The percentages will balance out. I can take it off. We see DNFs in a 15-16 race season. They mean a lot more than in a 23 race season. What you get is it it smooths out some of these things and the more races, the – winner will be the true winner. It's a better representation because it's a bigger sample size, but you don't get that jeopardy, which I always talk about, which is <laughs> interesting and, and is what we love about sport is the who knows what could happen kind of aspect. Less races. Yep. I know we want more product and we know we, we want to see more racing, but I think it would actually be better because they mean more for every race. As for regions, now that we've got three races in the US next year, plus you've got a Mexico, you've got a Brazil and a Canada one, you're not going to run those races consecutively each other because the storylines for that are too tight and they're too continued. The beauty of having Miami and Texas so far away from each other is you've got a whole season in between them. Mm-hmm. So there's different storylines. I just think people will lose interest and it's not great for the sport as a whole to run those races consecutively mm. because it's like – oh, we're now in the American part of the season and this is the story. And for six weeks you get the same story with small changes every weekend. So I don't think that works. I think there's too many races. But I think if everyone moving forward needs to bring it back to the 15 or 16 races, but they need to make them events. They need to make every race an absolute spectacle. Every two weeks kind of get back to that kind of schedule, I think. From what people say that travel the world with, with the paddock, they say there's three M's. There's Monaco, Melbourne and Montreal. As events, they are by far the greatest motorsport events for the whole weekend. You know, the mm-hmm. whole city gets Everything. around yeah. it. It's a spectacle. There's a lot more going on track. There's a hell of a lot going on off track to draw people in to get them. I think F1 moving forward shouldn't be worried so much about races or having the same race tracks every year there should be 15 or 16 with 25 tracks um on rotation. contracted yeah. to x amount of races over the next 10 years but you got to make those you got to make those races massive events and build them up and build them up so that they're like a you're never going to get a super bowl for F1 every weekend, but they're more – it's like a final every yeah. time you go. It's like an Aussie grand final. You know what, though? Do you know what I mean? It's never going to happen yeah. because the more races, the more advertising, the more money, the more product, that is what F1 is going for. That is what Liberty is doing. So, But it's not a detriment to They're going to get 25 yeah. races if they can. They're going to go for it. They're going to so, try and make it a year-round sport and it's going to be insane. We love the sport. And even by 15 or 16 races, we're like – When's the mid-season break? Jeez, oh, this is – like it's hard not to get cynical with the bullshit you put yeah. up within our sport sometimes, and I think it's ultimately detrimental to it by having so many races. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with all of those points. Way too many races. Uh, this is a great question from Hillary. What does the bin look like? <laughs> what is the what is the inside of your bin look like, Campy? How big are we talking? Is this like is this a proper truck that uh, Ian drives around in Cessnock that he's collecting Pierre Gasly and Lance Stroll or? Look, it's just a place in my mind where people that I God, don't that's like scary. go to. <laughs> that's all it is. It's just a place it's not, in your it's mind. It's not a literal bin. It's just Gasly for me. From, from I said episode one when Gasly bought up, I don't rate him and I don't like him. I don't think he should be in the sport. <laughs> it's good to see you can change your opinion over the years, though. No, but <laughs> no, but it's it's yeah. It doesn't look like anything. It's just a place that I put people when they're. When I don't think it's a terrifying thought, though, isn't it? Good or compliment. Yeah, it's, it's a weird Stranger Things kind of vibe, is what I've got. Yeah, it does. It's kind of mm. like the upside down, isn't it? That's it how is. I imagine it. Camp is brain. upside down. Ugh. Not ghouls. Just nah, I'm not into it. Just Rex Hunt running around shouting <laughs> things at people. <laughs> Sit down, you blokes. <laughs> you should be at the cricket. Rex Hunt. <laughs> That's a box of neutrals crossover. If anyone who's listens to that too. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's let's have this question. This is from DSK Campy. Trippy or Defender? Oh. Oh, can we tap out of this? 
Look, Can't be good two minutes. We'll come back. Look, I could talk about this. Is this is one of my favorite things? I'm newly married, and I can assure you, my wife. You said nearly then. My, you said newly. Newly. <laughs> <laughs> my wife will attest to this. She's like, why the farm gate? Are you still looking at troopies? I'm the biggest troop carrier fan of all time, and I'm also the biggest defender fan of all time. You can't both. And how many have you got? I would love like a 1980, 1980s defender with that mustard old yellow with the white yeah. roof and just clapped out, just look like a battler. That's that's me, right? <laughs> it is. You do look clapped I out. That's am. a great adjective for you. <laughs> now, now, for those out there that, that follow this stuff, the new defender is not a defender. The new oh. defender is a Range Rover Discovery masked as a defender. That's what it is. They've discontinued the Discovery. Well, they've they've made the Discovery, but it's it's shit. It? Yeah, I don't yeah. like it. Whereas, mm. whereas the Troopy for me is the ultimate full drive touring platform. Oh, so you can be as a Range Rover Sport guy, to be honest. <laughs> Big rims. Evoke. That's what it's what he and uh, he and the wife, yeah, Bridie. Get around can I, can Big rims my, in the Evoke. Can I have I my that two you. minutes uninterrupted? No, no, no. You had to. Yeah. So I'm a troopy man, but I've got a big, big soft spot. Well, if you defenders. had money is no object, which one are you getting? Oh, I'd put 300 grand into a troopy tomorrow like that. That's a stupid oh. way to spend 300 grand. It is. I'd buy 400 grand F-450 too, oh. so... <laughs> Again, stupid way to spend money. That thing is just plastic. All right. Well, hopefully that's answered the question. Um, He said both is the answer. (laughs) That's very, very good. (laughs) Troopy and Defender. Why not have both? Uh, This Look, Frey got way too excited, okay, on our Instagram. There's heaps and heaps of questions. Um, Some apparently are from her fiancé, Dan. So I'm just going to say thanks, Dan, for this question. It's a good one. If you could host one live music act on the podcast, who would it be? TT, let's start with you. Live music act. Oh, I could go like what I'd actually want or I could go something that really annoy Campy. Because <laughs> that would bring me almost more joy than who I'd want to see. <laughs> go on. Nah, I think I'd probably go Foles. Oh, yeah. cracking. Damn, that really annoys me. Well, like choose Foles. one quickly. Choose what album? What album? Maybe we should get Harry Styles on. I think Campy yes, would get along well with Harry Styles. Yeah. We went duet with Campy. Bit of a Harry Styles fan there, Campy. Absolutely. Yep. No, we've lost him. He's entered. He's entered the upside down. He's just Goog- he's googling what he's is googling. a Harry Styles. No, I've just got Harry a. Styles. I've just got a uh, notification saying I've spent money on my card, which I clearly didn't. So. Oh, Campy! Campy's bought a trivia He didn't mean no, to. No, not again, James. Who would you go for? I think uh, it's a good question because I similarly want to really annoy Campy. <laughs> yeah, I get more satisfaction annoying my friends than my actual like own wiggles joy. on or high five yeah. or like or like old school. Um, yep. But I, who do I like to get on? Because it's also you know in a podcasting kind of event in a studio thing, you mm. want someone who would absolutely nail a slightly small. Can I have a guess for you? <laughs> Please, JK. Jamiroquai. Jamiroquai. I reckon you, you'd you like a bit of Jamiroquai. It's absolutely up Also, there. our podcast about motor racing, the guy likes cars. He And he owns many, many Ferraris. Many, many cars. He's uh, a dude. To be honest, I would probably have, this is a very sort of left-wing answer, I'd probably have Corey Wong on. Oh, who would, yes. would A, B, yeah, no, that's <sighs> a lot of people's heads. Uh, a would be. Just a legend of a guy because he's hardworking and he's done his own wonderful things. He, he plays in Wolf, uh, Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Um, so if you know Wolfpack. Oh, another band that just. Okay, good. Yeah. But he would be great fun to perform uh, with. So uh, I think that would be a good vibe. And he'd get into it. He'd get into talking about Formula One. He'd be great in the studio. Yeah. Uh, great question, Dan. Uh, Can be Slim Dusty? This is. Right. No, I'd probably. <laughs> just whatever he said. Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know. I've got so many bands that we could do it with. You, what kind of gravelly-throated person could we <laughs> oh, get look, on with look, you? Growing up, Incubus was just the the greatest thing of all time. All wow, that is a very niche two years of Incubus being the best thing ever, eh? No, mate. There, <laughs> there is your literal like birth year that gives a crap about Incubus and no one else does. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy T is younger. Am I wrong? Tommy no, I'm T, not. Tommy T is younger. And, I am. Uh, he, he copped. Like hardcore was the coolest thing ever, which is not. I'd probably go Carnival. God keep it Australian. Carnival, Perth band, they're just unbelievable. Sound Sound Awake is the greatest album ever made. 
I think Danny Rick would agree with better than tool. That's better right. than tool. So uh, this is a question from Freya as well. What is Tommy's favourite tea? <laughs> I really, I really like tea, Fry. Uh, as you know, I'm coffee roaster. But if I do ever have to have tea, <laughs> I went this way. If I ever have it to have, have tea, it's just no, tea. I know, but that's I love it. I love it's an audio platform. It's so it could good. be any tea. I love this. It's so great. Be peppermint. Peppermint. Yeah, mm, not really Freya. a tea. Thanks, Fry, for your question. Anyway, uh, maybe should have focused on giving us a rundown of the actual race in a voice note sense, hey? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go back to some other questions. This is from Nick H. Uh, taking away any driver bias, inverted commas, me. At Fair enough, though. Which team would you most want to work for if you were offered an equivalent role to what you currently do? Uh, and what team would you least want to work for? Uh I feel like there's only one opening for you and that would be specifically with Valtteri Bottas and Alfa Romeo roasting coffee. So let's just say what team would you want to work for? Like if you could do marketing or any of the PR stuff, mm. who would you work for and who do you not want to work for, TT? Mm. I'm thinking where are they operating out of really because okay. think of all those British teams. You're in like the middle of bloody nowhere, yes. UK, and they suck. I would yep. not want to be anywhere near there. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> so that leaves Ferrari and Alpine. 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 No. Alpine's, uh, Alpine. well, Alpine's in like a really nah, far away. No, they've got away. an office in the middle of Paris. Okay. All right. I think that that's probably the only reason. Oh, okay. Their uh, head office is in a no good spot in the UK too. And it's really hard to get to. Yeah, it's that's what like, they moved, didn't they? Not like Brackley uh, or McLaren where they're kind of on the same train line. Where it's, are where are the good ones? I don't want to. Alpha well, Tower yeah. is in an absolutely amazing spot yeah. in Italy. I think that's so my Ferrari. Yeah, Ferrari. Yeah. They've got Mugello out the back too. No, yeah, let's go Ferrari, actually. Ferrari. And where would I not want to go? I don't remember what it's called. What's it called? I can't remember. I would not want to go to Aston Martin. Yes. Don't want to go into the campus? Don't want your own little no. two, own little booth? Well, campus is kind of a nice phrasing. I feel like more like some kind of, I don't know. Interesting. Campy, who would you want to work for? Who would you not want to work for? Go on. Not want to work for Aston and Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the same for universal. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, look, I'd be stoked to be involved. I'd work probably anywhere except for France and Italy. Anywhere? I'd go to, I'd go, I'd go to the UK. I'd work for any one of those teams. It'd be awesome. You'd be you other can replace than being, Marco. other than being the race director. I reckon I would love to design. <laughs> I would love to design the pit electrical systems with all the telemetry and the computers that hook up to the. Uh, what do you call it on the? Uh, isn't that what you do now? You're doing Dig trenches? You're doing us an accidental plug, Campy, because you're talking about McLaren Applied's Atlas software, which Freya and I, if you don't know, we've done a podcast for McLaren oh, Applied, really? separate business to McLaren, happy to say at this point, uh, and we talk about the Atlas software and how they do that. It's oh, ge- genuinely incredible. I would love to design and install some, something like that. I think that would be more... I could see it. Yeah. yeah, just incorporating all the radios and all the you know the listening views telemetry and are you life. a bit of a quarter zip guy or a business shirt? What kind of what are you operating on yeah, the pit wall? What are you coming into? What um, are you operating there? Short sleeve shirt. Short sleeve shirt. Short. Are you, are you doing the Christian? Please <laughs> no. <laughs> are you doing the Christian Horner like the very flammable kind of shirt, or are you Ooh. going a bit more of like a linen? Are you doing the vibe? Zach Brown? Yeah, polo with the lines. In the talk sleeves. us through. Talk us through your pit wall fit. Mm. Pit fit. <laughs> Your pit fit. Well, beanie number one. Beanie, <laughs> yeah. Are you going a more off colour or are you going like team colour? Like are you going orange if you're McLaren? Ooh. Or are you going just kind of grey neutral? The, the neutral. Neutral. Neutral, like, neutral guy? Like. You're not a flashy guy. Are you kind of Rosberg understated. Esque. Silk t shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and bare feet. <laughs> I think mean, it's day one safety. Clothes, shoes probably required. Oh, no. Yeah. That's not a visual I want. No, nah, I can see you in one of those like really old school flammable as hell kind of like t- shirts. I just like rock around my 2005 Fernando Alonso World Championship <laughs> hat. That's the sort of stuff I'd wear. <laughs> like Renault, blue and yellow. Oh, classic colours. So you want to wear for Alpine then? So no, you can wear your old Renault I, hat? I, no, that's that's the job I reckon would be good. And I reckon okay. like setting up the garage every weekend and doing the power. Oh, that'd be awesome for me. All right. So you want to be an F1 roadie. I'm going to be a roadie. Yeah. <laughs> but I just want to rock up three days before, set everything up, and then not do anything until we pack down. That's the dream. Let's <laughs> take it all he's, in. He's onto something there. He's he's yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, I reckon I probably would have said McLaren earlier in the year, but 
just like the overwhelming amount of content and pressure from the fans, I think is pretty full on. So I imagine there's a lot of pressure on that PR team. What job are you doing? I probably do social management, I guess. Something. Yeah. I think the, I genuinely think um, that the best team to do that for at the moment would be Alpine because mm. there's no pressure, but you've got outstanding performances like Fernando Alonso and you're restructuring with, you know, a brand new team principal who's, been around a long time and showing that he's pretty good and happy to talk to camera when, you know, when you put it up. Um, and in fact, Alex Thompson, who is the current social media manager for Alpine, who is an Aussie, she's awesome. She's doing outstanding work. Like with Fernando and, and um, Esteban, she does little uh, interviews, walking interviews with them um, coming out and she's crushing it. I, I genuinely, and I, I genuinely would love to see her in a broadcast because it's she's doing so well. And I think, Without that pressure, but the ability to sort of do run your own routine yeah. is a good thing. Whereas someone like Mercedes is hyper prescriptive oh, around what yeah. you would do. Same with Red Bull, you've got rules around you know branding and everything else yeah. across all of these different types of motorsport. Uh, yeah, I just think Alpine would be would be a good vibe, um, and especially if Oscar Piastri was coming in there, you know that would that would also be very good too. Um, and yeah, at least Aston Martin. No thanks. Uh, we'll do one more question and then we'll wrap up this team radio episode. Uh, don't forget that you can send through your questions and we will answer them in the next episode. Uh, I'm gonna, we'll go to supercars. Tilly Willie 13 uh, at myself. Why the dislike for supercars? I can enjoy A-League and the English Premier League uh, for similar yet different things. I find a similar comparison between open wheeling and tour, touring car Formula E or Formula, rather. Um, at least supercars get a jet fly past every now and then. Well, in our last <laughs> episode, absolutely, the F-35 uh, doing that trip around uh, Darwin was superb, absolutely fantastic. Uh, look, I don't hate supercars. I just – it's just not interesting to me anymore. And I think the, this – Obviously, we've lost this manufacturing in Australia. There's no Holden v. Ford. Yep. Uh, and the biggest thing for me is when the cars aren't the cars that they're trying to be, what is the point? When you've got the Ford Mustang safety car out the front and there's, say, Anton Di Pasquale behind in the shell Ford, it's very clear the difference in proportions. Yeah. You go, well, that's a Mustang and this is just what? It's a NASCAR. Yeah, so it's a shell. It's a... Yeah. Let's make it the shape of a Mustang. Some plastic on the side of it. Literally, yeah, seriously. Yeah. So I think one of the things is if they wanted to change and, and make a real, you know, try and get, and I, but this is the thing, I think the, the era of competitive customer teams as in, well, I own a, a BA Falcon, so I'm going to support Ford at Bathurst because mm. what I'm looking at is a BA Falcon mm. with the seats ripped out in the back and, yeah. you know, better suspension and better engine and everything else. Like that was a really good vibe. You think about like the R32 Skylines and oh, how good was that? Well, you see some of the other competitions around in Europe and they have to actually have like enough manufactured versions of that car, whether it's a race-going version only. Like you see the, the Aston Martin race yep. cars. Their product, their cars you can actually purchase. You can't go buy a supercar. Mm. They're literally just this behemoth of a machine made with some mounting points for a shell that looks like a car that might be on the street. Yep. That's all it is. They're just custom built cars underneath. They are like rat rods, really. Yeah. The one thing I do love about V8 supercars, though, is the commentary. Yes. Neil Crompton. Oh, Crompo's just unbelievable. A star. Yeah. What, a, what a star. Just super excited. I love how excited he was about the F35. He lost his voice about that so, and then went into the comms box and then yeah. lost his voice over what was a pretty outstanding performance and, for Zach Brown's and team. And Bathurst does transcend into something that you will watch regardless, I think. It is that kind of iconic. What I do like is the shootout. I think that's interesting. I would love to see uh, someone on a flying lap come through and finish a lap by themselves with the camera just on them. Meanwhile, someone else starting their flying lap. Doing that kind of for just say Q3 would be a very interesting thing. I would love to see that kind of thing. Yeah, you get different track conditions. The person who goes last gets the most rubber, but that's how it works. And rather than trying to find track space, trying to do all these things, and we end up missing whoever got it, but you have to go, this is your one chance to do a good lap. That's all you get. It's yeah. just a very interesting like do or die kind of style yeah. of qualifying. And I really enjoy it every time I watch it in supercars. Yeah, look, V8s is the best touring car championship by far hands down in the world but like and Bathurst that is that is a track that you know it's so unique it's it's incredible to watch for me we don't have enough tracks like that we've got that and Phillip Island yeah and that is it yeah I mean Winton what like (laughs) yeah 
I mean, the rubbish. They're not <laughs> great. Sandown's like, Sandown's great for viewing. Yeah. But for me, it's not like F1 where we have all these unique tracks like they are spectacular to watch. Mm. I, I would froth to see a V8 supercar go up and down Eau Rouge. That oh, would yeah. be something incredible. Um, at the back end of Spa too, like. Uh, mm. Anyway, I don't think Australia has those tracks. And unfortunately, all the things you said about Ford, and versus, Ford, Ford versus Holden, I think that's what we grew up with. It was always a massive and That was the ride. point of touring cars, yeah, wasn't it? Was, it, was it was the car that your dad or your mum yeah. drove. It's yeah. For me, V8s is not accessible like it used to. It's on Foxtel and or Co, which you've got to pay for. Um, it, it, it is losing relevancy really mm. quickly. And it's a shame because it's a great category and they should be doing awesome things. But we lose some big names. Like, you lose guys like Scaife and Lowndes and, I mean, What's his name going over to IndyCar? And I mean, what's, Scott McLaughlin. Scott McLaughlin. Mm. And um, even when, um, uh, what's his, the other Aussie that went to NASCAR a few years ago, Marcus Ambrose and stuff. I mean, when those guys leave, it's massive. If Shane Van Gisbergen left the sport tomorrow to go and race DTM in Europe or something, I mean, who's the personality to take over? Love Chaz Mostert. But I mean, I keep an eye on the sport, <laughs> yeah. but I just don't love it like I used yeah. to. It's just not the same and it's losing, it's losing relevancy. And I think we really need to change up something in the Australian psyche when it comes to V8 supercars to get it back to its heyday. Or have we seen it, live through it? And we always talk about yesteryear and how good it was. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting question. So we don't hate it, we don't dislike it, but. It's not – I'm not watching it. You know, I'm not putting it on except for Bathurst. I think that's right. It transcends yeah. a lot of motor racing. And can anyway. I just say the broadcasts, like there's so much else that goes on on the supercars weekend. Like you've got all the support races and yep. stuff. It's, I just can't watch it. I can't mm. watch all of it and yeah, take it, it in. When you're already it's literally to- like they're on from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah. And you get to see a qualifying in a ra- – and for me it's just there's too much happening. But yeah. We've already committed to watching F1 and we struggle to watch all oh. of the content through that weekend. <laughs> I cannot you, tell you, you yeah. how much of a commitment it is even just to do podcasts, let yeah. alone watch the race. Like, Yeah. yeah. It'd, be, it'd be really nice to go, oh, I'm not going to watch it live. I'll just like kind of wake up and I'll watch it sometime today. But we want to make sure we're watching qualifying, watching. We're, we're staying yeah. up to date with stuff and that's kind of the commitment and we appreciate all your support for that. But it is, sure. it is a commitment and you do feel like, I need to give that energy instead of saying, oh, there's a supercar race or there's a something else I want to watch. You're kind of like, nah, I need to go to bed now to make sure I'm like fresh to watch qualifying at 4 a.m. or something dumb. Yeah. No, that that is that is what we do. But we love doing this podcast for the reasons that you well and truly know. Uh, well, that's it for this Team Radio episode. Thank you so much for your questions, for sending it through on Discord or on Instagram. Uh, the questions that I haven't yet answered, thank you for sending those through. We'll do another episode in the not-too-distant future now that I'm in person and we can do in-person yeah. podcasts. I think, I think more like non-Formula 1 ones as well. I want to hear more about like Campy's advice. Yeah, if you have, yeah. uh, have any specific questions, what, if you want to make this a bit more of a talkback show, yeah. if, uh, pre, pre-recorded talkback, <laughs> if you have an issue that you want Campy Can't to be, solve I've got a relationship you, problem. What do you think? Yeah, please send that through. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? Um, <laughs> what's, the, what's the thing you call up the insurer and they're like, this is our general advice only. Yes. It's general advice only. Please. Don't sue us. Uh, but thank you so much for listening, uh, boys. Thank you to you. A few uh, we'll, car-related questions are good too because – Obviously, everyone is car people. To some Absolutely. Extent. I mean, yeah. I have a polo, let's be honest. Well, we look, the last. It's uh, not even a golf. In the last Team Radio episode, we did uh, speak about uh, 86 that you don't. Uh, sorry, that I have. Uh, the 76 cruiser that you don't have. I well, don't. Because uh, it's the, the only one that actually has the trophy. Because it's not common. It's, yeah. it's not coming. So yeah. I'm the only one that actually has the car I said I have. So, yeah. So yeah. Well, I long have an 86 as well. I just haven't done anything to it. I got, I got my Merc, my MCL 250, whatever it is. You doing that up? You slamming it? Nah. <sighs> Anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating or review. And uh, don't forget to jump onto our Discord server where you can join a whole bunch of like-minded people in a very safe and awesome community. We will see you in a week's time for our review of the British Grand Prix.